years. And my job is to make sure that they're doing okay. And if you've ever worked with middle schoolers or high schoolers, you know that they don't always do okay. And international students are no different than your students here, other than the fact that we deal with a transition that's probably unfamiliar. So when we, we said goodbye today, you prayed over people. At our church, we do that every single week. Our turnover at our school this year will be 25%. So we have said goodbye to 80 students. We are a, a school of about 400, and we are welcoming 100 new students in a few weeks. And part of my job is to welcome students, prepare them to move on, whether they're graduating or they move from country to country to country uh, based on parents' work, uh, missions, whatever. So my students are missionary kids. They are diplomats kids. They are very wealthy Vietnamese students who come to our school with the hopes of getting an education only in English that will prepare them for university, many of them coming to America afterwards. And so my heart is to really reach out to them. I get to spend time just talking with kids and helping them and helping their parents who don't always know how to parent them outside of their home culture. And so all of our kids come from about 30 different nationalities and together we make this unified craziness sometimes of a third culture and my heart is to prepare kids for whatever God has next for them in their lives and God really birthed that as we went overseas when we said goodbye in 1996 um, to this area we left Liana was two Josiah was one and Michaela wasn't even a thought and we had never really thought about what overseas life would be like in bringing up kids and we kind of figured it out and God really ministered through that experience I think to us and to our kids but really helping families understand that I do parenting courses I meet with families I meet with other counselors in the region really trying to bring wellness and social emotional competence to our kids so that they can step into what God has for them in the future. So that's what I do for about 50 hours a week. And um, it's a privilege and a joy. And I'm just so thrilled where God has brought me in this process and in that ministry. So I might be the pastor at the church, but she really is the pastor at the school uh, with all the students that are there. Plus many, most of them are not Christian from all kinds of nationalities where she's able to be an influence in their lives. Uh, Liana, you may remember from more recently while she was studying at Houghton College, and uh, she would make her way up here in Warsaw once in a while. And so would you come up, Liana, and share a bit about what you're doing today? Hi. Wow, that's really loud. Sorry. My name's Liana. Some of you remember me from when we left. Some of you have no idea who I am. And some from Camp Judah. Hi, friends. It's been a while. <laughs> And you guys just had Camp Judah, and it's exciting to see it on Facebook and keep up and see that Warsaw's still going, and there's still connection here. So some of the stuff that I do, kind of in the footsteps of my parents, is working with Youth with a Mission, YWAM, in Australia. I have been there since I graduated from Houghton three years ago, and it's a little crazy to think about 
three years and how I haven't seen many faces in three years and it's a joy to be back. So I work um, serving in the Asia Pacific region around the Indian Ocean, so East Africa, Middle East, South Asia and Southeast Asia and Australia and I work with YWAM Perth. YWAM Perth is a global international movement and I work with the base that's in Perth, Australia on the West Coast. I have been there three years and I work with one of the ministries that there are many ministries and schools that make up YWAM Perth and I work with one of them that uses prayer and worship to see breakthrough in the nations. But I'll show you a couple pictures before I talk more about that. So living down under with YWAM Perth. This is the city of Perth. My brother came to visit earlier this year and I finally got to pet a kangaroo, which was awesome. Um, I live in a house of 15 women. It's great fun. It's actually a lot of fun. They're a great joy. We uh, have a range of ages and experience, and I love living there. I've been with them since I moved there two years ago. Um, I'm also, in order to get my visa for Australia, I'm actually a student. I have a weekly class with YWAM Perth, and um, I just finished a two-year course with them. I renewed my visa for two more years doing a new course. It's a hospitality course, and we learned how to clean windows. So that's what that is. And next, Worship for the Nations. Um, I already explained this is a ministry. If you click next, I think there's text. Oh, oops, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, worship for the Nations, it says, to reach the nations through worship and prayer to see the kingdom of God come. Um, so there's worship. We partner with a church every other Friday and do worship on their corner because that means we're allowed to do open air evangelism and do worship and evangelism and talk about God in the open and it's great. And then we do like prayer. Um, this picture we were praying for our most recent outreach where there's actually a team in Australia, in, not Australia, there's a team in Tanzania right now where they just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro to do a day of worship and prayer for Africa on the highest point in Africa. And so we were praying to make our way there and kind of made a path with our hands. It was a really cool photo. It was a great time. Um, this is one of our other recent outreaches that I got to go on. I can't really tell you where it is, but we did a lot of walking, hence the walking photo. We do lots of walking in our ministry. And next, we also do a lot of research. So worship and prayer has to come with research. You have to know what you're praying for. You can pray in the spirit and he can lead you in many ways, but we love being informed in our prayer as well. So kind of covering all bases of what's the history of the area, what's the history of Perth, especially the indigenous history and what is there on the ground. So the research also includes going into the city and going into those countries, the villages that other teams will later on come into and walking around and seeing what's there and making maps out of it and then making tools in order for them to use it later. Um, evangelism and I think there's one more and that's the team. We are a team ranging between like in the 20s and we hope to be in the 60s so that way we can have people on base as well as on outreach at any given point. And I think that's the last photo. Um, I have loved working there. I've loved going on trips. I've loved staying back when I don't go on a trip. I have loved connecting with churches, um, connecting with my church in Vietnam and churches here and people here. And I love missions. And my heart about standing up here isn't like, hey, missions is what I do, but it's, hey, missions, I'm supported by heaps of people. And 
it would be great to have people continue to come into missions in one way or another. But I love sharing about YWAM. And then just the other day was talking to a friend of mine, her son, and he had been interested in missions. And I was like, actually, there's something he might be interested in within YWAM that we do. And got to talk to him personally about it. He got all excited. I'm like, this is what I live for. That people get interested in missions and they see a greater picture. And there is local and then there's global, as my dad likes to term it, global. Thinking global, thinking both locally and globally. And I have learned to love it and have learned to start to live it. And it's amazing. Great. <clears throat> No, uh, your support really enabled uh, our family to put our kids through college. It was always a hard, we had a choice to go into missions, but our kids didn't. <laughs> we took them when they were two and one, and they were born there. So, but our heart was always that they could finish college and have the choice of going into missions uh, debt-free out of college. And uh, your support really has helped us uh, carry that plan out. And our kids can't wait to get out of the U.S. <laughs> back into the world and uh, Michaela now is through her first year and she's already counting down when she can go overseas. But um, just a little update of uh, our ministry in Vietnam. Uh, just recently, last month, uh, I was in Dallas and I received my doctoral degree. Who would have guessed that coming out of Elam Bible Institute? Uh, and I'm uh, really excited that as a result of my study, my, my doctoral thesis, I was able to write a book. So I just finished my first draft, and I'm giving this draft to Pastor Chris here, but if you're interested, you can read it. And it's all based on about, and you probably have heard the stories about Love Hanoi, and how God has used uh, our church to birth a movement called Love Hanoi that has become such a big movement that now you've heard the story about the Love Hanoi Festival that resulted in 30,000, 40,000 people coming to a, a Billy Graham crusade with uh, Franklin Graham. So, so I wrote about that and write about uh, how the five steps uh, of a citywide movement. And, uh, let's see, uh, next slide. I was a, stu a student with uh, Baki Graduate University, and Ray Baki was a pioneer in urban missions here in the U.S., and then started a university after that. Uh, that then, uh, I studied that when we launched Love Hanoi in 2012. We're like, we have no idea what we're doing. And so I decided to pursue this doctoral program to learn as we went. And then what I've learned, I've written up in this book, and I hope to share it with, with many of you and many people around who want to love their town and their village and their community. Uh, and the five steps, just in brief, here are principles, posture, process, partner, and people. First, we want to be grounded on biblical principles. So I explain those biblical principles of, of why God loves cities and why we, how we can love our city. And then our posture. The church, traditionally, uh, evangelical churches in particular, have kind of been distant from churches and are not engaged in society. But we need to change our posture one that is embracing. And then the process, it's not just a you know, one-time event, it's a long-time process. And so I talk about that. And then it, we do this through partnership. So I don't know what partnership you might have here in Warsaw. I know Pastor Chris is on the board of the town. And uh, one of our partnerships in Hanoi is we're partnering with the government. It's, uh, who could have imagined that when you sent us out 22 years ago, 
that we would partner with the government of Hanoi to do kingdom work. But then at the end, really, it's about people and how do you gather people, etc. And so that's the five-step process. I'm not going to explain it all because that would be a whole workshop, uh, but that's what I write about in my book. But you may remember, uh, in the next slide, I'll show you uh, this, the story and the video that you saw probably last year uh, of the festival that we had with the Billy Graham Association. And we had Franklin Graham come over and, and share the gospel, and we had 30 to 40,000 people come to the stadium inside and outside with over 4,000, 4,200 people coming forward and filling up the, out the form that they have made some kind of commitment when they came forward. Now, many more people came forward, but that's all the forms that they could process. And by the time the Billy Graham Association left, they had confirmed that 95% of the people that went forward have been followed up. And so this is what I loved about working with uh, the Billy Graham Association. They are so good, one, in taking the time to unite the churches, two, to prepare the churches for follow-up, and then three, to stay beyond the event to make sure follow-up has really been done. And so, so that was just so amazing. It was a, even though it was just an event, it was a long process. And uh, during that process, when the church leaders had to re, uh, register the event itself, and get the permission to rent the stadium, they submitted the program to the government of Hanoi City, the mayor. But really, the mayor doesn't make all the decisions. It is actually the secretary of the Communist Party of Hanoi that uh, tells the mayor what to do. And so when they uh, brought the proposal to the secretary of the Communist Party, this is what he said. How will the church love Hanoi? Because the pastors had decided, inspired by the Love Hanoi movement that we'd started, to call it the Love Hanoi Festival. But yet they didn't quite understand uh, what I mean by loving your city. Uh, traditionally, evangelicals think we love them by preaching the gospel. Uh, and so they had made up a program that had worship and preaching. And that was it. And the secretary of the Communist Party says, how are you loving Hanoi? I don't see anything about Hanoi and Vietnamese culture. I don't see anything about the 500-year celebration of Protestantism, which was the reason we were having this festival. And they didn't see anything about loving Hanoi. He said, how are you loving Hanoi? How is the church loving Hanoi? You better call it something else. That was, that's what he was said. And so the pastors had to go back and change the program and like, figure out how to love Hanoi. Now, I uh, was part of uh, the whole organizing committee, and uh, my responsibility was to chair uh, the Love in Action Committee. And uh, Love in Action is exactly what it is. It's loving in action. And that's what the chairman wanted to hear. He wanted to hear how is the church actually putting love into action. And actually, the Vietnamese translation, uh, Love in Action means love equals action. I love the name. They came up with that name, love equals action. Because too often uh, we think uh, love is words only. But to them it doesn't mean anything if we just preach the gospel. They, they're like, what? What are you talking about? You, they want to see it in action. And so uh, today I'm still running the love in action uh, 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 committee. And uh, here just recently, just uh, in May, we did a training for 16 churches preparing for 
Children's Day. So during the year, Vietnam has several festivals, and June 1 is the International Children's Day. I don't know if they celebrate that in, 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 in the U.S., but in Vietnam it's an important celebration. And so we prepared 16 churches to celebrate Children's Day by uh, telling them, go to your local authority. So authority in, the, in uh, Hanoi is from the city to the district to the community to the, the small neighborhood. And uh, there's a communist party in every level. And so normally churches and church leaders avoid talking to the communist leaders. And they don't want to work with the local government. And so many of them are very nervous about that. And some of them are not even registered churches. They're just house churches. They're small churches, 20 to 50 people. Uh, you know, some of the big ones are 80 to 100 people. But that's, that would be a big church. And so they're very nervous about going to a local authority and, and, and talking to them because of, the, of bad experiences in the past. And so this training is helping them to overcome that fear and to go with this posture of we want to be a blessing to our community and how can we help our community uh, to be better. And in particular on Children's Day, how can we be a blessing to the children in our community who are not doing so well, who are in need. And so uh, we had this training, and next slide picture you can see this is, uh, all the church uh, leaders of the churches that we trained. Um, and uh, we are wearing Love in Action logo on the front and then the Love Hanoi logo on the back. And so that's the message that we're communicating. And then uh, next, so we had 16 churches. Uh, and at the end, we served 1,297 children and we spent about $10,000. So we had one donor organization, an NGO, make a donation to this project to sponsor it, and then churches also added some of their funds to this project, and this uh, mobilized them to serve their own community, to love your community. Because often when I talk about loving your city, it's so big. Hanoi today, when we left, it was two million something. Today it's 10 million. And so how can a church love a whole city of 10 million people? And uh, imagine the churches are still zero, less than 0.1% of the population. It's just a small minority. But really where, where the rubber uh, meets the road is the local church serving their local community through practical what we call seed projects, small projects that take uh, your own resources to love your neighbor. Somebody had a clever idea and said, love your neighbor. Well, <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. So the, we had a celebration uh, just uh, at the end of June, and they had the different churches share the testimonies here on the next uh, slide. Yeah, and so actually that was a video, and it's not working. Anyway, um, but we had a celebration, and the churches sharing the testimony of uh, the struggles that they had to overcome, the fears that they had to overcome to talk to their local authorities, and for some it didn't work out, and so they did something independent. But really we're trying to encourage churches to work together with the local government to bless their neighbors. And uh, that's the big idea, and together we can do big things with God. And when I share that vision with uh, these churches, they're so excited, and they're so blessed, and they said, we know we need to do this. We just need some outsider to come and help us. And that outsider, in this case, is me. Although uh, 
at some point, I, I, I don't want to be the outsider anymore. I need to hand it over to them. And that's my plan. And so uh, next slide, you'll see um, a plan that I'm working on this coming year to work uh, through Love in Action, which is now in Hanoi and also in Ho Chi Minh City, and uh, making this a nationwide network to study each sphere of society, the domains of society. And so we're recruiting a team, a work uh, group um, members to, you know, the domains that they work in every day. And to study that domain and to see what are the facts and what does the Bible say about the domain in which I work. So if you're in business, what does the Bible say about business? If you're in healthcare, what does the Bible say about healthcare? And then practice, what is the church already doing in each of these spheres? And then vision. So what we see now where, where this domain is at, so healthcare or education are in particularly far, far behind in development, whereas economic development is far advanced. Vietnam today is the fastest growing economy in the world. And so in particularly this trade war that's happening between the U.S. and China is greatly benefiting Vietnam because Vietnam, because of its communist system, is a very stable government. And uh, because of its opening up to the world market and having some kind of a free market communist system uh, where uh, you can have capitalistic communists, by the way. And so, so it's, all that business is now coming to Vietnam. And so economy is going, growing quickly, but healthcare and education and the other sectors are falling way behind. And so when we have a kingdom vision of what society should be like, what does the Bible say about this domain or sector, about my job, about my workplace, what, and what is the reality and what's the gap? How can the church now help society fill that gap? How can we contribute to our local community, to our workplace, to that sphere of society? And so these are the opportunities. And now um, I'm really excited about the next five years. Uh, you've journeyed with us uh, over these past 20-some years, but I think in the next five years, uh, the church in Vietnam will be able to establish institutions that to us are so normal, uh, to have a Christian hospital or a Christian school or a, a Christian-run businesses, uh, Christian uh, clinics and Christian family counseling centers. All these things don't exist today. And so I see that that's the next move that, that God is going to do in the next five years. And for my, my feel my calling is to help bring the church uh, to that place. So that's uh, one area of ministry that I'm uh, heavily invested in, uh, Love in Action, the Love Hanoi, and to see other cities in Vietnam adopt this uh, Love Your City concept. Uh, an international church in Da Nang started Love Da Nang, and then I worked with the churches in Ho Chi Minh City to start Love Ho Chi Minh City. And one of our Brazilian missionaries uh, moved to a city north of us in Bac Giang and started Love Bac Giang and is setting up a mobile clinic to serve the whole uh, province there. And so this idea is multiplying, uh, not just in Vietnam, but also other cities. Love Phuket has started, and you here call it Love Warsaw. In Pennsylvania, I talked to a church to start Love Havertown outside of Philadelphia. So people are like, wow, that's so inspiring. If you can do this in Hanoi, you could do it anywhere. So that's... Uh, the Love in Action, Love Hanoi story. And then my church, uh, 
Next slide. Uh, the, my church, uh, this is my congregation that meets in a hotel, and Pastor Chris has been there, and he has uh, spoken there to the congregation. And our church is over 50 nations uh, represented in our international church. Uh, and we have about 600 people who are attending our congregations. We have uh, two locations now um, with three services. And um, like uh, Linda said, our turnover is really high. Every week we welcome newcomers, and every week we send people out. And uh, yes, that does make me tired sometimes. <laughs> so if you could skip the next slide, because uh, that slide doesn't work. And here's my staff. We have six full-time staff now. Uh, so uh, me on the right, uh, I'm Dutch. And then Pastor Jason next to me, he's from the U.S., California. And then Hua, my administrative assistant, she's with me. And then um, Marion is my administrator, she's Filipina. And then Ryan, a youth pastor, he's from uh, the U.S. as well. And then Tommy, my media IT guy, he's from Nigeria. And so whenever we are together in a group of 10, we have often 8, 9, 10 different nationalities. It's so to us, it's so normal, but sometimes we stop and think about it. It's like, wow, what a privilege. We get to serve with all the nations. And uh, they come to Hanoi to, to work. And then my job and our job as a church is, while you are in Hanoi, love Hanoi. How will people know you are a Christian? They know you are a Christian by your love. And so if we as a church, an international church, can inspire people who come there for work, to grow in their faith, to be a, a better witness in their workplace where they work Monday through Saturday, and to love the people that they work with, that is a great testimony. And for us as a church to be known for the church that loves Hanoi is just a real, um, real testimony of where God has brought our church. We're not just the foreign church, and we're not just the church that is worshiping in the hotel. No, we're the church that loves Hanoi. And to think that in my congregation, uh, for example, for years we've had, uh, well, we have had, of, sometimes we have heads of state who are uh, embassy leaders, uh, ambassadors, or other ambas amb embassy personnel, a head of multinational corporations. We've had the country director of World Bank in our church. And then uh, when on a Sunday she's handing out bulletins. <laughs> And people come through and then they know her from TV and newspaper. And like, <laughs> she's handing out bulletins. <laughs> you know, uh, so our church has, um, she would meet with the president and the prime minister on Monday. And I get to share with her God's word and encourage her and build her up. And then others are working with tribal people in the northern mountain areas. And others are working uh, with students uh, teaching English. And these are students of, of wealthy Vietnamese kids, like uh, the kids that are in Linda's school, who put them in that school so they can go to top universities in the USA so they can become business and government leaders in the future. They come to your country, and so they come here. And you have an opportunity to impact these students who come to, to New York State and other states and while they're here, some of them become Christian and come back to Hanoi and then become members of our church. What a blessing to have that. So, so that's really um, what makes me all excited about our church, the opportunity that we have and my role as a pastor 
there, not only working with the local churches, but working with all these nations to love our city. And uh, just so excited over past recent years, for the first, uh, HIV was started in 95 by a dozen people. And then when I became the pastor in 2005, we were about 200, and now we're about 600. And then it wasn't until 2014 that I was able to ask the question, is it okay for Vietnamese to attend our church? The answer I got back from the colonel of the, t of the Protestant department of the city police, uh, he said, well, if you take good care of their spiritual health, it's okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> so we've been doing that, and now we would guess, I don't know actually the exact number, but maybe about 10% of our churches are young Vietnamese people. So and just uh, for all that time, we as a church were never legal. And so there was no law for international churches to exist. So in fact, the, the National Security Police had told a denominational leader when we made a request uh, if we could be registered, they said, well, if you, uh, if you want to pursue that question, we have to shut you down. Basically, you cannot say yes. But if you withdraw that question, we will leave you hanging in the air. That was the official position that we had. <laughs> but then uh, last year, last year uh, a new uh, religious law was, uh, came into effect. Uh, so until then, there was no law, there was a decree that limited uh, religious practice, uh, very restricted until then. Uh, even with this new law, it's a bit more free, but there are still lots of uh, other restrictions. But in that new law, uh, there is an article, several articles that describe how international churches can function and register. And so just uh, this Past week, I received a picture of the registration of our church as an independent international church uh, under the Vietnamese government. Uh, and so, however, at the end of this service, I really want you to pray I, because we only got the picture of it. <laughs> and uh, we had to give some more money, and then they wanted some more money uh, to get the actual piece of paper. And now this Wednesday, uh, my site pastor, uh, Jason, and his family of six are flying back to Hanoi. And uh, even though now we, we can get missionary visa. Isn't that amazing? Could you have imagined that 22 years ago when you sent us out, that we would have missionary visas to run an international church that collaborates with the local churches to love their neighbors? I mean, it's like amazing. But you can only get that visa if we can actually get the real paper and not just the picture. And so we have three days now to get that visa released. And so, uh, yeah, a uh, little panic button here that we're pushing. And uh, <laughs> so if you could please pray for that breakthrough. Yeah, so now it's Sunday morning, so it's Sunday evening there. So by evening time here, they will be meeting with uh, religious affairs, asking how can we get this paper so we can process the visa. The visa. So that would be uh, an answer to prayer. Another exciting opportunity that we've had just, just this past year, we launched a global partners. So for many years we've had city partners working with local partners to love Hanoi, but now we launched global partners and uh, our first global partner is Liana. <laughs> so she's our first 
missionary that grew up in Hanoi in our church that we sent out as our missionary. And then uh, we have just last year, and this is really exciting, we sent a Vietnamese missionary. So now we're sending Vietnamese missionaries from our church. And so Vietnamese are becoming uh, Christian, are baptized, go to Alpha, and become members, serve in our church, and then we can send them out. Wow. Uh, so then we are sponsoring a young couple that's preparing for missions. They are now in, in a seminary in the Philippines. And then this summer we have two of our youth. Daniel is serving uh, together with Michaela at camp in Pennsylvania. And he's a, a Korean missionary kid. And then uh, Christelle, she's the, the oldest daughter of uh, the Filipino chairman that I've had, who is a CEO of a multinational corporation, and she's serving in PNG, Papua New Guinea, this summer. So we are not just a receiving church, receiving your support, but now we're also a sending church. What a real blessing that is for us. Yeah, let's give praise. So, and then another exciting opportunity this past year, Pastor Chris has been uh, to this uh, uh, service. Uh, so, um, we partner with the local church, it's the Hanoi Evangelical Church. That's the church that was established by CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, missionaries in 1916. So, it's now just over 100 years. And we partnered with them four years ago to start an English service in the local church that's been there for 100 years but has never had an English service, a service for foreigners. And so uh, you can show that picture on the slide. And so we started that service as a joint venture with the local church. And uh, after four years, we decided to launch this service as an independent church. So it became a church plant. And Pastor Chris has been uh, to that service. And so this past, so now we are also a church planting international church in Hanoi. And so just the progress, the great things that we see, we just sang about it, great things he has done, greater things he will yet to do. And uh, one more highlight from this past year, this is really mind-boggling. So um, I've, we've worked with uh, the U.S. Embassy over the past few years, and uh, they, they have a program that helps to prevent HIV from spreading and becoming a pandemic. And so part of their interest is, is to keep drug addicts off the street. Now, outside of uh, government drug rehab centers, the only private rehab centers are Christian house churches that run rehab. And so they are interested in helping house churches run uh, the drug rehab centers and to be more successful because it keeps addicts off the street, uh, and that keeps HIV from becoming a pandemic in, in the country. And so, so when, I, when I talked to them last year, uh, they were interested in doing a, a conference with all the drug rehab leaders. So in Hanoi, we have 24 centers. One center has about 100 people, uh, former drug addicts, and then the other 23 centers are like in a house. So they have maybe from anywhere from 10 to 20 drug addicts at a time. And so in between all of them, now 600 addicts are in rehabilitation at a time in all these centers. That's quite a phenomenal work of God that's happening in Hanoi. And the, the U.S. Embassy uh, personnel called me and said, um, 
well, we had meetings uh, online on Skype and etc. And uh, they said they had called Saddleback Church and recruited, asked them if they would send Celebrate Recovery trainers to Hanoi to train the Christian drug rehab leaders, and they're paying for it. It's like, what? <laughs> the U.S. Embassy is paying for Saddleback Church to send Celebrate Recovery trainers to They're like, wow. It's like, so we did that last November. It was official, formal. We had the vice ambassador come and uh, visit, and that's the group photo that we made here. And so we had three days celebrate recovery training. And so, um, so now, so that these centers can use this program and HF, we also now have three celebrate recovery groups uh, going. So that's just some of the amazing things and some of the great things that God has been doing in and through our church uh, in Hanoi. Now, we could have never imagined that 22 years ago when we, when we arrived there. If you may remember, we went there to work with a children's home. And so Friendship House, you can go to the next slide. Yeah, this is Friendship House. That's where we started our ministry in Hanoi, working with uh, orphanages. And here's Liana when she was two and with the kids. Uh, just three, and that was the streets of Hanoi, which is totally different today. Uh, we were driving motorbike without helmet, uh, which we do wear helmets now. <laughs> I still look as young as I looked then. <laughs> and our kids uh, got so much attention on the street, you know, they'd never seen white little kids with chubby cheeks. And uh, so we, we could have never imagined. But then when we arrived, what we're doing today. Um, but this is just a, a word of encouragement that I want to bring uh, from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. As I was uh, finishing my, my book uh, last month, I was reminded by this word, a word uh, that uh, Pastor Joshua Finley from Elam Gospel Church, when he was uh, installed as a pastor, his first sermon series uh, was about... Uh, the new big, or something like that. Or, uh, and one of his sermons uh, was on this verse in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, where it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now I looked up in the context, it was so... Uh, you're probably all familiar when the Israelites were in exile for 70 years. Then King the Persians took over from the Babylonians. King Cyrus decided to send the Israelites back home and uh, send some money with them to rebuild the temple. And so a whole group of Israelites went back to Jerusalem and they arrived there and they started to rebuild the foundation of the temple. Now in the first uh, few chapters of Ezra, it says that some of the people who had known the former temple were weeping. They were crying when they saw the new foundation because it was smaller. And so the people that were laying this foundation, they were discouraged. And Sir Rubberbull, who, who was the governor uh, at that time uh, in charge of this project, uh, was discouraged. And people looked at it and thought, this is so small compared what it, to what it used to be. 
And so here in the chapter 4, uh, Zechariah, who was one of the priests uh, among them, had this word from the Lord, this, this picture, this vision, and this word from the Lord, that when uh, Zerubbabel, actually they did a ceremony, he would have taken the first stone out of the rubble before they cleared it. And after they cleared it, they, he would have laid the first stone of the foundation when they were making it. And in, it was at that time that this word came to Zerubbabel, because it seemed so diminished, so small, so minor. And, and they were discouraged. And God said through Zechariah, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin and to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand, meaning God has this picture of where this is going and what is going to be, even though we cannot see this. But God is rejoicing because he can see from beginning to the end, even though if we cannot. And this is kind of what it feels like for us. Even these past 20-some years, it feels like small beginnings. Even though, like when I share these highlights, these are great things, but greater things are yet to come. So it, I compare it to the difference between, uh, if you can show the next slide, between setting up a kebab stand or a hot dog stand in New York or something and building a skyscraper. Uh, I looked up, and if you want to start a, ke a kebab stand or a hot dog stand in New York City, it would cost you $500. $500 you can do by yourself. You can build it in a day. You can order it online, and you can set it up. Done. Well, it's quick and easy, and you can do it by yourself. But this is not what we're doing. We're building the kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. We want to see transformation of the city and society. That's a huge thing. And the only way to do that is doing it together. Because it's too big to do alone. And so we're building together the kingdom of God in Hanoi City. And it's like building a skyscraper. So you can click one more time. And as you may know, you don't have skyscrapers in Hanoi, uh, in Warsaw, but I'm sure you've been to big cities. And uh, right now, Hanoi is quickly, so quickly developing, it seems like every week there's a new skyscraper. But what we don't see, it takes months to lay that foundation. And before they lay the foundation, it takes months or years to make the plans and to get the financing, to get the architects, to get the investors, to get the residents, to purchase uh, the, the, the commercial space and the residential space, etc., etc., etc. And that's kind of what it feels like what we've been doing, that this small beginning is laying a foundation of kingdom work that is going to be greater yet. And uh, even though, you know, it's so exciting with what, what's happening in our church, and even though the church in Hanoi is growing, the city is growing faster. So the percentage of Christians compared to the population is still as small as when we started. And that can be discouraging. And with all the people that are coming and going, and when you think about, well, we're such a small minority, we're just making a tiny, 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 tiny dent into the corruption and the pollution and the, 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 the his, history that has no Christian roots whatsoever. Uh, you know, that can, be, that can be really challenging and discouraging sometimes. And like, what are we doing? This is so small and tiny. And God's saying, don't despise these small beginnings because he can see the end 
even though we lo might lose sight at some time. And so I don't know where you are at as a church or perhaps personally, maybe Pastor Chris mentioned earlier, maybe you're in a valley or maybe you're thinking, wow, I'm, my life is not really making an impact. I just want to encourage you with, with that word. And I want to thank you. I just want to say thank you for partnering with us in laying this foundation in Hanoi, in where the churches are collaborating and where we as an international church are recognized as a church that loves the city and are able to help other churches to serve and love their neighbors as well. So thank you for partnering with us. But I also want to ask you for prayer. We're looking forward for you to pray with us. One, I mentioned the challenge. We need this piece of paper released so that our pastor can get the missionary visa so he can fly out on Wednesday knowing he can actually land and not be turned around. And so that's one prayer request. And then the other, the church, I just showed you where we launched this new service. The, the mother church, the first church in Hanoi, the first Protestant church, now is in conflict with the denomination. And so for, for all these years of collaboration, it's because that pastor was collaborative and the denominational leader is collaborative. And now these two are in conflict with each other. And a part of it is the the baggage that both of them inherited from the wartime. The church has survived the wartime. I was told that after the war was over, only eight people were left in that church. And so imagine, the, from establishment in 1916, then you had World War I, World War II, the French was in occupying Vietnam, and then the French left during the war, the Japanese came, the French kicked out the Japanese, and then Ho Chi Minh came to kick out the French, and then Ho Chi Minh took over the whole nation, and then America got involved in all that, and then at the end of all that, eight people were left. What a baggage. Uh, there's still leftover baggage in a church that needs to be dealt with. And I just want to ask you to pray with us for a breakthrough in this conflict so that the church can remain united. And then secondly, we want to ask you to pray for our family. Uh, pray for Liana as she's serving in, in uh, Australia and for Michaela and Josiah as they are in Hanoi and here in the U.S., but also for us as we've been serving for 22 years, we feel at some point in the next couple of years there, there is going to be a crossroads, and we're not sure what that leads up to yet. So we are looking for the Lord for direction, uh, and Linda needs to make some decisions. Also within the school, uh, deciding whether to stay with the high school or to go with the middle school, and uh, all that may lead to our future decisions. Anyway, we've been prayed for by you before, and those prayers and the words that you've prayed for us have been meant so much to us, and I really would value your prayer once again uh, at this stage. So thank you so much.